Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. Maybe not welcome back, welcome to generally, because it is the first episode of 2024 on the main show. Happy New Year, everyone. We did say this on Wednesdays, Morgan Hasn't Seen, if you are also a Morgan Hasn't Seen listener, of course, but perhaps there are some of you who just listen to the main show. You are old movie fans at heart. You are purists of It's a Wonderful (laughs) Podcast. But then if you're purists of It's a Wonderful Podcast, wouldn't you watch and listen to everything? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Happy New Year. We wish you all the best for the upcoming year, the upcoming 2024. I'm sure it's going to bring a lot of positivity to all our lives. We have to manifest this, Janine, much like people in this movie we're talking about today like to manifest positivity into their lives, even though at times they can't see it looking square at them in the face. Silly Lauren Bacall in this movie. (laughs) So stubborn. Um, So stubborn. So stubborn. It's an exciting start to 2024 on the main show, though, because we are in Lauren Bacall week here on It's a Wonderful Podcast. On Wednesdays, Morgan hasn't seen. You explained, Janine, how uh, we're going to be covering or dealing with uh, our shows in January um, and kind of having this old Hollywood meets new idea where on Morgan hasn't seen, we'll be looking at um, more modern movies starring old Hollywood favourites and one of their, you know, golden era movies uh, for the main show each week. But we're kind of splitting it up because we've got a milestone episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen next week. And uh, it's all a bit like that. But all will be perfectly clear if you are listening in to It's a Wonderful Podcast. It is Lauren Bacall week. That is the first week of January 2024. And today's movie is How to Marry a Millionaire, 1953, which sees Bacall as the leader, it has to be said, of a trio of occasionally stubborn, occasionally very silly, and enormously love-struck women, you know, (laughs) alongside Marilyn Monroe and Betty Grable, and I think they're a great trio together, Janine, I really do, it's a very silly movie, it's a very feel-good movie, it's a big cinemascope spectacle of a comedy, and why on earth would a silly comedy be filmed and look like such a lavish production that this does only in the early 50s? when everybody's playing around with these massive widescreen formats, could yeah. a movie like this look like Ben-Hur? Because yeah. it does <laughs> inexplicably. It's got no business looking and feeling the way it does, given the story we're dealing with in How to Marry a Millionaire. But I love the fact it does look like that. It, I think it brings so much more so much more enjoyability out of this movie. It it makes it feel special to a certain degree. It makes it stand out aside from, you know, perhaps other rom-coms or or rather silly, goofy style comedies that you may get in this time. Um, It's ridiculously kind of overproduced, but I do (laughs) very much enjoy that about it how to marry a millionaire janine what are your first thoughts i really had fun with this movie i mean connecting it to this series that we're doing with both shows um it was really exciting to see lauren bacall uh outside of that more dramatic energy that i'm used to seeing her as but her also applying that to this role as she is kind of the leader of this trio so she definitely brings that commanding nature to this character but in a more kind of sarcastic wry uh 
playful, stubborn uh, performance. So it was great to see her play um, into her comedic chops more, which then was <clears throat> kind of uh, the groundwork for the role that she portrayed in our Morgan Hasn't Seen movie, The Mirror Has Two Faces, where she was uh, very much uh, leaning into uh, some great dry comedy there. Um, and yeah, I don't think I had ever seen anything with Betty Grable. She's one of those names that is always kind of known, uh, by maybe classic, uh, novice people, which I was for <laughs> a, a very long time, but I always kind of knew that name as this, you know, classic actress. So to see something with her, uh, was great. She plays this endearing diva in this movie yeah. and, uh, and then, of course, Marilyn Monroe, she plays Ditsy with this beautiful intelligence, if that makes any sense. Very much like, you know, Lisa Kudrow as as Phoebe, how she plays Phoebe on, on Friends, or Amanda Seyfried and how she played Karen in Mean Girls. Very much uh, a lot of thought going into how they play uh, these somewhat ditzy characters they're not inherently stupid um you know they just kind of see the world a bit differently and do things their own kind of quirky way uh so they all bring a different energy uh to uh this kind of trio and uh when they come together it all just works so well and then just the male characters just trying to keep up so just had a lot of fun with this movie and excited to really get into it yeah, I mean, I, I'm like you, I'm reasonably unfamiliar with Betty Grable's performances and work, you know, yeah. aside from just her name being Betty Grable, she is a known person, which yeah. is unfortunate that I guess we can talk much more, or, you know, with much more depth about Bacall and, and, and Marilyn than we can about Betty Grable and how this might compare to, to some of the other things she, she did because we just don't know those yet. You know, It's a Wonderful Podcast is very much a discovery-based yeah. show. It always has been. It always will be. That is why we do this. We open our minds, open our hearts to different facets of old movies. We have our favourites, of course, but we always like to open up these weird little extra avenues. And I think we, we've opened up the Betty Grable Avenue today. Yeah. Yeah. this week which which is very very nice and as you said the male characters in this movie are just running around slightly confused as to what the three women are doing <laughs> apart yeah. from one who seems a little bit one step above everybody else yeah in a mm -hmm. greatly charming way and yes. we will certainly <laughs> get on to that fine gentleman that he is very shortly but there is one thing we have to do janine before we get into the meat of today's discussion that is say a big thank you to our it's a wonderful podcast patrons we do love them dearly if you would like to join them and join us on the patreon supporting us in that way we can't do what we do without this generous support we would love you forever just go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one find the tier that is right for you there is a link in the description of this episode as well as a donation link if you just want to support us that way as well would yeah. you like to start us off janine yes a huge happy new year and thank you to marie zambino and thank you to adam witt thank you michael smith thank you amber coates thank you abby friel thank you to faraz muthana Thank you to 90s Comics Box, a.k.a. my big brother, Justin. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you, Tina Farrow. Thank you to Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fanobi Steve. Thank you, Samia Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to Carla Fees. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And thank you, of course, to Billy Pollahan. Yes. Yay. Applause for the patrons. Applause for the movie. I think this is a great time to actually open up. We, we got an answer to one of the questions that we put yeah. on Spotify, Janine, which is very nice. Yes. It's very nice. We, we uh, 
we want to start getting more answers to questions. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Please. On the, on the episodes on Spotify. So don't forget, you know, there's always questions there. If you are on Spotify, if you do listen on Spotify, even if you don't listen on Spotify, go to Spotify and answer the question on the show that you're listening to because there's always a question there just a little opinion question we have a response here from the three godfathers episode just before christmas uh, where we asked what your favorite john ford movie was and a response from a cd is the name given who says fort apache okay. is their favorite john ford movie it is not a western I have watched. It is, however, a Western I've heard constant very good things about and is certainly on my John Ford list. Yeah, it's a great looking cast here. John Wayne, Henry Fonda, Shirley Temple. So, yeah, definitely one I am eager to take a look at and check out. I mean, even though it stars John Wayne, um, oh, yes, I, yes. I, you know, I, I, I spoke on the Three Godfathers episode that I do respect him in his realm of Westerns and what he did for that genre and him as a consummate professional, as you also mentioned on the episode. So I'm, I'm really excited to check out him in his, you know, uh, shining spots in the genre for sure and you know in general just check out more westerns because i know we had been on a bit of a a western kick for a minute and i had a lot of fun with that so uh definitely after watching three godfathers i am uh eager to watch more things uh directed by john yeah. ford so thank you cd for your response and uh for kind of putting this movie in our uh, uh thought process and radar for sure yes Go and watch Fort Apache, everyone. Definitely yeah. good recommendation right there. Let's get back to how to marry a millionaire because I do agree with you that this is almost because we're 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 now used to seeing or we're so used to seeing Lauren Bacall uh, alongside Bogart, of course, that we've covered. I think three of four of their movies, or three of the four of their movies in the past six months almost, I think we've yeah. covered. Um, so we're used to seeing younger 40s, kind of low-key feisty, very sultry, very... Um, I don't know what's, 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 what's a good word to describe Lauren Bacall in the 40s that isn't those. I was almost going to use the word whirlwind. And I think this is just because she takes you, she grasps you, she swirls yes. you up in a big <laughs> ball of confusion and you don't quite know what to do. With yeah. that's, what, that's what she does yes. to Bogart. In yes. Movies, <laughs> so, you know, we, 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 we're used to seeing her like that. We've also just watched The Mirror Has Two Faces, where she is playing the uh, Medusa-like mother she is referred to as. <laughs> in that movie. Yeah. The, the spotlight always has to be on her, but there is a vulnerability behind. There's always a vulnerability behind yeah. Lauren McCall, that has to be said. Um, and it's definitely a more comedic role. And this almost feels like a really great transition, even though it's obviously... Not that far away from what we're used to seeing her in in the 40s. Yeah. But, and, and decades off, something like The Mirror Has Two Faces, in terms of her performing, I think this is a great middle ground. Yes, yes. Between what she's doing in both of those times and both of those kind of eras. Yeah. Because she is the... She's playing it the least comedically in this movie. Definitely. Than the other two, yeah. Yet there's still a, like you said, a, a, a wry quality to her, a very dry comedy yeah. to what she's doing here. A wink in the eye at times as well. But also, you're watching this going, hold on a minute, you're supposed to be the smartest one in this room, Lauren. and. William Powell, who is in this movie as yes. it has to be said, our male lead, because I think he kind he, of is. Yeah, he's he's kind of the, the man we see the most and we kind of get to know the most. Is giving his 
unmatched side-eye glances at her because he knows things that she just doesn't want to even think about trying to accept. Yeah. Which is just, it's a great comedic beat throughout this movie, the fact that the call is the leader of these tree of this trio of women desperate to i say desperate not not desperate in a needy sense but almost desperate in a i want money sense to yeah. marry a millionaire this is <laughs> yes. their purpose this is their yeah. game they play it is their scam they are scamming yes. at the moment and they are trying to to capture millionaires monies by marrying whoever the hell they can get the hands on. Yes, their vision boards have pictures of dollar signs, uh, millionaires, <laughs> and uh, marriage. <laughs> so Yeah, that's it. That's all they want. And this is, this is absolutely fine. It's quite clear this is these people's goals in yeah. life at the moment. They're struggling financially. They need money. What's an easy way of doing it? Schmushing up to some poor sap of a millionaire banker person who might, or an oil baron, yeah. who might just take them under their wing. Yes. And marry them within a week, apparently, or like a month, or however short time they want this to actually take place. It's, it's crazy, but... I love the comedic beat, the constant comedic beat of Bacall thinking she's so much cleverer than everybody else, but ultimately being the one who doesn't quite realise the situation she's in until yes. literally the last scene of the movie. Yeah, she's incredibly stubborn in this. Um, there's a man who is constantly making advances at her, but she immediately envisions him as, uh, you know, uh, uh, what they call, you know, a gas station kind of attendant person. She yeah. was she was burned and scorned by a man who had nothing going for him, you know, had a menial job, but she, you know, went for that relationship because of love. So she's in this state of mind where she's done with love and she just wants to have a comfortable life with, you know, a rich man and not somebody who's going to scam her, somebody who has nothing going for them, etc. So uh, she meets this man who uh, helps them with some groceries. He tries to kind of get phone numbers and, and exchange kind of information, but she immediately writes him off as, you know, a loser guy because he's not wearing a suit and tie or, you know, this image that she has of a rich man. And completely That's literally the reason as well, though. That's literally the constant recurring reason. The man doesn't wear a tie, so he can't possibly be rich. Yes, is... so she, yes. So she clocks him immediately as this type of man who scorned her, who has nothing going for him. Only we learn that he, you know, he's walking into a building with his name on it, and he's this yeah. kind of big wig, rich guy. And so the joke on her is that we know this man to be the exact man she's looking for. But she keeps blowing him off because she thinks he's not any of that. So th yeah. there's kind of a playful kind of uh, back and forth with that of the audience having a little tidbit of information that she doesn't even give herself the chance to learn. So we're kind of just yeah. like frustrated with her um, and laughing at the same time. <laughs> and it's certainly a much lighter performance from, from Cameron Mitchell, who plays Mr. Brookman, who yeah. is, uh, you know, because... Or who, who takes but who takes Bacall's fancy the opposite way? Bacall takes his fancy that way. Yes. <laughs> Didn't quite flow in my in my mouth that phrase, <laughs> did it? That's unfortunate. It's a much lighter performance from Cameron Mitchell than the last time he showed up oh, on yes. its wonderful podcast, Janine, <laughs> which was it as the bounty hunter in <laughs> Book and the Preacher, yeah. where he is just the embodiment of evil. Mm -hmm. With his enormous moustache, this this movie actually has three inductees into the Moustache Hall of Fame in it, which I find incredible. That only, well, no, actually, two of them do. Two of them does have do have moustaches in this movie. I was going to say only William Powell out of the three of them have moustaches have moustaches in this yeah. movie. William Powell certainly has his moustache. However, by the early fifties. 
it has gone white. Yeah. Which has its hair. <laughs> um, Fred Clark also is in this movie, who is Betty Grable's um, love interest. I mean, what is this man? <laughs> yes. He's a dreadful person, isn't yes. he? Yes. He he's a married man Grable's who, yes, he's interest. a married man who is trying to kind of have this side affair with her because he's just miserable with all the women in his life. Because back at his house, it's his wife, it's her, it's her sister, it's her, her mother, it's his daughter, and so all of these women are in his life are driving him nuts. So he just wants to get away on this faux business trip with his money and woo a pretty lady to just spend time with him. And yeah. uh, so for whatever reason, Betty Grable is spending time with him just so she can kind of get wined and dined, even though it's there's no chance of it really going anywhere. No, and, and Betty Grable also seems to think that when he does take her up to Maine, I think it is where they yes. go, to a lodge in Maine, she envisions some sort of enormous corporate event. Like an uh, Elks Lodge uh, club with a yeah. bunch of eligible rich men. Uh, and it's literally just a use. cabin that this man owns. <laughs> yeah, it's a lodge as in a cabin. But she sees it as like, you know, one of those Elks clubs kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, where she can potentially use that to find a rich man. Uh, and so when she gets there and it's just her and him at his, you know, uh, owned uh, cabin, she's very upset and the diva behavior comes out to where she just uh panics enough to kind of almost make herself sick <laughs> yes she does yeah. Yeah. i i recognize when i'm getting a fever what's my what's my temperature oh dear no i can't go anywhere i'm gonna have to stay here now because she doesn't want him he no. he gets annoyed with her but he just yes. takes her along because she's somebody different yeah which is a terrible way life. of thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> but their, their little relationship dynamic, let's just say I'm, I'm glad Betty Grable eventually, you know, gets with somebody else who seems reasonably nice, if not a little bit strange. I mean, that's kind of where we end up at the end of the movie, isn't it? Yeah, she they ends end up, up while she's... Odd people. <laughs> yeah, so she ends up getting measles and kind of is stuck there. She ends up giving him measles, so what she's feeling better, he's stuck at the lodge with measles, and she's out and about skiing and spending time with his driver, like his uh, kind of assistant man, a ranger that works up at the lodge for him. Yeah. And so while he's laid up sick with measles, she's out spending all this time with this ranger and she's under this again <laughs> this ridiculous wrong assumption that he uh you know owns all these trees because he tells her that he has to kind of take care of these trees as a ranger so she hears ranger and thinks he's like some like texas ranger who has money so she ultimately ends up falling for him as they're spending all this time together and then she learns that no he's like a park ranger essentially yeah he has this small little house provided by his job and he just has to kind of take care of these trees and make sure there's no forest fires so when she finds out that he's nothing special financially she gets very sad because she really likes him so that's where she kind of ends up in her love story Yes, it's uh, Rory Calhoun, I think it is as well, who plays her ultimate uh, ultimate boyfriend or husband or whatever yes. he turns out to be. Um, but he's really sweet. He's really nice. He takes yeah. a skiing. They have a nice walk about a ski trip. He's pointing out all the mountains and all the forests to her and saying, well, you see over there, that's where yeah. that's. I start over there and I go all past this ridge here and these are all my trees. Oh, they're all your trees? So what? You're like, would you call this timber? Like she's thinking to herself, oh, is he a, is he a wealthy timber man? Who yeah. perhaps owns, owns so these much trees. Wood? Yeah. No, no, he he, he just watches the trees from the <laughs> watchtower and that's yeah. all he does. And when she goes back and tells Lauren Bacall this, when she eventually gets back, Lauren Bacall's reaction is just, what, he's a firefighter? What is he? <laughs> yeah, this he's is, watching this the is terrible. <laughs> How can you be with this man? This yes. is ridiculous. It's like, I thought he was a Texas Ranger. Do Texas <laughs> Rangers have money? I wasn't aware Texas Rangers <laughs> right? had money. 
Like, why would yeah. you think he has money if he's a Texas Ranger? Also, does he sound like he's from Texas? No, I don't think he sounds like he's from Texas. Yes, she she definitely went on uh, several wrong assumptions, but ultimately does uh, kind of throw the the concept of the millionaire out the window and uh, ends up being very happy with with this. Oh, man. Of course. Yes. Look, that's the ultimate <laughs> point of this movie. The, yeah. the point is we're, we're dealing with a trio of very single-minded people yes. who, lear- who come to learn that there is far more things to be you know, worthwhile about a person than simple wealth. Yes. It's, yeah. it's not a message movie. It's not a dramatic movie. It's a silly no. comedy, no. but it still yeah. needs that level of message in there for it to be... At, at least a, a comedic twist on your assumption from the majority of the movie. That's the point of kind of comedy writing, isn't it? It needs yeah. that twist of fate at the end, and and it's twisted back the other way with Bacall, who's constantly yeah. being hounded <laughs> by someone she doesn't think is anything, but who turns out who to be actually is remarkably yeah. wealthy. Yes, and, yes, and that's yeah, that's Cameron Mitchell, Mr. Brookman in this movie marilyn's story in this movie and just let's just get don't get me started on how much every single new movie i watch with marilyn monroe in every time i'm just impressed by what she's doing because this is such she uh, it's such a funny role for Marilyn, I can't remember seeing her. I don't know. I think I think I've I laughed more at what she was doing in this movie than I have in, in anything else I've seen her in. And she's a really great comedic presence. And I yes, think it's and- because she knows fully what she's doing with it. Yes. Because she 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 may have a shtick in this movie, and I do think she does, because she needs glasses, and whenever she puts these glasses on, she's constantly taking these glasses off and putting them on and taking them off and putting because them on. Because she's very insecure about how she looks in glasses, and she doesn't want these men to see her with glasses because she fears how they'll they'll view her or she'll look like yeah. an old maid or a spinster so she cons and she's completely blind without them so she's constantly taking them off and bumping into things giving us some great physical comedy um yeah but like really re- not just bumping into things like walking in completely the opposite direction to where <laughs> yeah. she's supposed to be going and just so matter of fact humor about the the slapstick nature of what she's doing the physical comedy of what she's doing it's so kind of thoughtlessly done and effortlessly done that i can't help just going this is great marilyn this is absolutely fantastic and i mean nobody knows what on earth she's talking about she looks like an old maid has there ever been anybody that looks less like an old maid in fact i think that's a quote from this movie there has never been anybody that looks less like an old maid than marilyn monroe it's ridiculous yes. to, for her to even assume that i also think the glasses look really nice on her anyway yes, she i looks think they're a lovely pair of glasses she looks beautiful in the glasses and that's what i kind of mentioned about her playing this kind of ditzy character almost with this uh endearing and beautiful intelligence she's so smart about how she is playing this character in, in being kind of insecure almost and and to have somebody that beautiful have insecurities is kind of uh comforting you know yes definitely puts you at ease with how she looks and how she also kind of has uh this fear of how people will view her a certain way um so she puts all of that into this character and it's so much fun i think this this always comes across to me with Marilyn is that she's she's always able to feel like a regular person while looking like she does yeah you know, while she she could be the most ethereal you know otherworldly beauty you can imagine if 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 she was there in the early 30s instead of you know the early coming to prominence in the early 50s 
she would have just been this goddess-like figure who would have Marlena Dietrich strut herself around and kind of Greta Garbo strut herself yeah. around and just been totally of another world. But she's she's just not that. She never was that. She never has been that. And too many people still assume her to just be the image of herself. Yeah. And she was a fantastic comedic actress, a fantastic dramatic actress, a, just a real quality screen presence who never, ever, ever gets the acting credit she deserves. Or, yeah. or I say never, ever, ever. I'm emphasising for effect. Yes. She does to a certain degree, but still not by the general public. Yeah, I don't time, think when I talk to people yeah. about Marilyn Monroe. And like I say, every single time, and it's been a while, it's been a long while since I've watched a new Marilyn movie. And it's been ages seemingly since we've spoken about one of her movies on this show, which yeah. is, is sad and is a shame and we should sort that out quickly, I yes, think. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> because in this movie, she is just so entirely endearing it's quite a cute performance yes yes from Marilyn. <laughs> that's a good word yeah it's, it's not it's not like something like some like it hot where it she's kind of very she's she's kind of boisterous and bubbly in the center of things but while still being you know well liked and everybody is really you know interacting with her a lot and it, it, she she's very much the central female figure of that movie you said it right before she's almost amanda seafried in, in mean girls yeah she is almost that she's almost karen in mean girls which she's just she's passed off as being the silly one but there's just a, a different stream of thought Yes, on. what she's doing, what she's just saying, don't recognize. Yes, what she's doing, what she's saying makes sense to her, and that's all that matters to her. So you know, she's just doing her own thing in her own world, and, and she plays that so beautifully. Even though the taking off the, of the glasses and the putting them back on constantly doesn't make any sense at all, because just leave your glasses on. Yes, but she's so insecure about it, and uh, her whole kind of match story is she meets this eye patch guy who is very wordy about his his millions and his fortune but there's this no man looks like a bond villain yes but there's no evidence uh, of this wealth so uh lauren bacall is very much suspicious of this guy and is keeping an eye on him but uh marilyn is is very much trying to to keep this this relationship up with him to see where it goes uh but he seems very suspect um to kind of take it back to the beginning of how it, it, it'll ultimately connect to where her love story ends uh the three of them are models and they end up renting this apartment to kind of start their plan um and the man who owns this apartment he is out of the country because he is in some type of legal trouble um he was kind of framed for something and so there's a point in the film where he sneaks back into town to get something out of his safe that will help exonerate him from this legal trouble that he's dealing with so he sneaks in a few times and because marilyn monroe can't see she just assumes he's one of the men that the other women are seeing uh so she constantly just kind of greets him because he gets caught by her because he's just trying to sneak in and out and get something out of there and go. So there's two occasions where he sneaks in there and gets caught by her. But because she can't see, she just assumes he's one of the, the, the men that the other two women are courting. Um, and then later when the eye patch man invites her uh, to, to go with him to meet his mother and all of this, uh, she is going to get on a plane to meet him. But because she can't see, she gets on the wrong plane and finds herself sitting next to this man who owns that apartment who she's run into 
twice before. Uh, so he recognizes her from those situations. Um, he noticed her, her reading a book upside down and ultimately gives her that confidence and tells her um, that she looks beautiful with her glasses and she's being ridiculous and um, ultimately tells her the story of, of who he is and that he owns that apartment and his whole kind of legal situation and explains to her, I'm the person you saw all those times. And they kind of strike up a whole little uh, chat and, and uh, cute little uh, kind of back and forth. Yeah. So that leads to, yeah. To them kind of making a connection. Yeah, it helps because he's blind without his glasses. Yeah, so too. he has glasses as well. So they have a cute little like, oh, look at our glasses together. We're both blind. It's like the cutest thing. Yes, it is. And uh, you know, on on the surface, it's such a mis mismatched couple because it is small, strange, on the lamb kind of man and <laughs> yeah. Marilyn Monroe. But it works. Yes. It works as a couple. They they have one whole heart between them. And I, I, I like their dynamic with each other. I really do. I think it's my favourite of the three couples, yes, to be honest yeah. with you. Because I just think it, it, it's almost the most pleasant. I feel like yeah. it's the most fun. You know, they would have the most fun out of the three couples we end up yes. with. Yeah, because their whole little exchange on the plane is so adorable. And them kind of talking about their blind and their glasses and uh, they're just being very cute with each other. And he he is very much loving her quirky world as we kind of described how she's giving this performance. She The things she's doing and saying make perfect sense to her and that's kind of all she needs. So the fact that he is able to look at that and accept that and think it's just as adorable as we do uh, really makes you love the pairing of them yeah now let's get into william powell in this movie yes. because oh we do love william powell yes this podcast. I, ju I just have to say that i think this feel film considering even this being older you know um, yeah. william powell for whatever reason i think just his performance his demeanor in this film like solidified him as a member of my classic actors crush list. Like he's just so okay. kind hearted and sweet and this like really uh, likable realist about his situation and how he views love and, and, and is really honest and open uh, with Lauren Bacall's character. She's kind of doing this manipulative thing. He's like, you know, subtly aware of it. But he's and the well real, aware of yes, it. and and like, but he's playing it subtly to her. Of course, he's not he is, making yeah. he's not making it completely obvious to her that he knows what she's doing. So I love the intelligence there that he's giving this situation, how he's navigating it, um, and he's being very real with her and really honest and, and uh, kind of vulnerable with her because he's basically a widower. He he does have money, so he he he's not you know like the other two women he's actually you know what they are looking for rich very kind um and in this phase of his life where he he's kind of first opening himself back up to love and a relationship for the first time and so even he's kind of on to what Bacall is doing but he's very intrigued by it and kind of just hoping that him being himself you know might uh have her in turn kind of change her thought process and and ultimately be real with him yeah so i love how he's navigating the situation and just how he is honest with her like he asks her do you believe in love at first sight and she in her manipulative state is assuming he's asking that to hear oh yes you know i when i looked at you you know i immediately fell in love but he's like well i don't <laughs> you know he's very much i don't believe in love at first sight you know, but I am open to, you know, getting to know someone and reopening my heart. And, and you know, so I love, absolutely just love the realness from him and him kind of being that person and having this uh, charm and intelligence and natural, um, uh, you know, sweet attitude really just kind of had me like crushing on him a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, really, because I think he's kind of the perfect person to play this role at this time because yeah. 
he is so very good at being the smartest person in the room without anybody ever thinking he's the smartest person. Yes, or being really smug about it either. Never smug about it. Always really unproblematic. Very, very gentle, very kind, very caring, Mm -hmm. as you're saying. But less of the quick-wittedness than he may have had in the 30s. Yeah. And just more heart, I think yes. we get from him. More genuine. Wise. Uh, old, it's obviously older William Powell, so, so the, the wholesomeness comes out more. Yes, and the wisdom, than, yes, as you said. And the wisdom than the kind of quick, smart comment does. Yeah. All, that, all those other characteristics remain. They're they're still there. They're they're front and center. And are you on Team Powell and not Team Cameron Mitchell in this movie? Yes. Are you JD, not Team Mister Brookman. Bro- yes, yes, definitely. I'm definitely on Team JD. She should have never have called off that wedding. They were going to get married. Yes, in this yes, because after he kind of realizes what's happening. Um, or that, you know, she's not, um, you know, he maybe is not fully as ready as he thought he was. He kind of ends things with her. So in that period of time when he ends things with her, she does run into Mr. Brookman and uh, ultimately ends up having a meal with him, still thinking he's, you know, this poor man, spending a lot of time with him. They end up going on on these dates and every every date she tells him this is the last time. This is the last time. I'm not going to call you again. So she does end up, you know, spending time with Mr. Brookman and and she clearly has a, feelings a for natural him. affection yeah. for Mr. Brookman, a, a, an unspoken physical attraction towards Mr. Brookman. Yes. I think her her attraction towards William Powell is much more sensible almost it's more intellectual it's a weird situation that we're we're kind of half we're dealing with in the mirror has two faces on Wednesdays Morgan hasn't seen (laughs) yeah I think I think Bacall it is it's it's quite strange really because Bacall in this movie is going for the you know he's ends up not going for the Jeff Bridges mirror has two faces attitude of Let's just have an intellectual relationship. And I'm sure, despite William Powell's aging personality in this movie, he could have got down if he wanted to. Yes, That's I'm sure. beside <laughs> the point of this movie, though. Yes. It's beside the point. But, you know, there there is that very clear physical attraction towards Mr. Brookman that yeah. she does have and, and keeps denying him but then keeps returning his calls and things like that and she yeah. wouldn't be doing that if she didn't want to yes that's how that works but i am very much team william powell because yes. i just think much more it would just be a more pleasant grouping uh coupling i think uh not to say that her eventual coupling with William Powell with Cameron Mitchell isn't pleasant, but I think there's she doesn't know who he is until the very last scene of the movie. Yes, yeah, really, <laughs> yeah. And then she she kind of she doesn't take it very gently. Really, no, no. The ending is very cute. Um, but yes, I mean she she ends up uh you know, courting Mr. Brookman for a while. And then William Powell does come back and says he changes his mind. Let's give it a shot. And ultimately ask her to marry him. So, you know, she, every, after every date, she was telling Mr. Brookman, you know, I'm not going to call you again. I'm not going to see you again. So, you know, she ultimately kind of seals that when she decides to marry William Powell, because he will give her what she's been wanting this whole movie, you know, this whole scheme and plan. Uh, so, you know, the day of the wedding, she, she's planning on marrying him. It's at the apartment. The two girls have been off. She hasn't really talked to them. Um, and then here they come one by one with their new husbands. They ultimately end up marrying these not so rich men 
didn't stick to the plan but found true love and happiness and they're very much yeah. happy with with the life they've chosen uh you know even though it didn't go with the plan that they all had and lauren bacall is very much you know criticizing them and kind of rolling her eyes oh you, you know you fell for it you fell for the trap because this is what happened to her so she's just kind of putting her own stigma and experience on these other two women you know she's underlyingly happy for them that uh, you know, a little just perturbed that they didn't stick to the plan and she's the only one who stuck to the plan. So she's very much happy with herself. But you can tell that, you know, there there's something kind of nagging at her. There's um, always it's, something it's, underneath. Yes, especially when she sees yes, and especially when you see that she sees the two of her friends with uh true love that is not yeah, very you know, happy. Yes, and very happy. So it has her thinking about Mr. Brookman. Um so ultimately she kind of goes back and forth and she's a little bit stressed. And um, then this is when she is told that he, that Mr. Brookman is there at the wedding and that kind of just stresses her out even more and has her realizing, you know, okay, I don't know that I can do this. And she has this real talk with William Powell and he, again, is just so, honest and understanding and sweet about the whole situation because they're they're at the altar they're about to get married and then she says she can't do it and walks away so then she has this conversation with him and he realizes that she is in love with somebody else and he you know so he doesn't want to keep her from that he doesn't want to have this hollow relationship with her and he's okay with that he's very much understanding you know he's sad that it didn't work out but he's very sweet about the whole thing which just makes you even more sad for him because he's being so incredibly wonderful about the whole situation it really does and he even goes one step further and this is such a great scene in this movie because he's literally just been ultimately i mean not left at the altar but his wife-to-be has just said i can't do it at the altar he's taken it totally in his stride he's fully understanding he's fully realizing of her situation and then goes to mr brookman who turns out to be somebody that he's actually good or at least no fairly decent acquaintances yeah. with yeah and says um hi tom um it's you she's picked you so you best go in there now. And he basically just says that to him. Yes. In 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 a very patient way, yeah. in a very calm way. William Powell has my entire heart in this movie. I, I yes. love him dearly. He's he so is sweet, yeah. what we should all strive to be as or, or what all men should strive to be. And I can take this off, but it, it just just absolutely calm and understanding of of deeply empathetic which is what yes. i think he is in this movie. Yes. deeply deeply empathetic totally thoughtless not thoughtless thoughtful selfless that's the word i was selfless. looking for totally yeah. selfless and entirely understanding of of other people's situations um above his own which i just think is i mean it's phenomenally difficult to be like that yes, yeah. so I, I i love that we got such a a great depiction of that attitude yeah. in this movie and that way of thinking in this movie because he's disappointed but it wouldn't have been right because yeah. it doesn't work the other way even though it works the the one way it needs to work both so yeah yeah it doesn't so Mr. Brookman gets the girl and he goes over to his friend and he just says, just go and have a conversation with her, Tom. You need to go in there. Yeah. Bye. And he just <laughs> casually walks out of the movie then. And I don't think we see him again. No, I don't think we do. Um, and then, yes, um, Mr. Brookman and Lauren Bacall get married. And then we have our three couples having a nice, uh, you know, lunch at the diner and laughing and, and talking about, you know, they're poor, but they're happy kind of thing. Bacall's bringing it up as well. Oh, look, look at all these hamburgers I'll be eating from these fast food yes, diners. Yes. And because even on one of their dates, he doesn't take her anywhere fancy. He takes her to this burger place. 
so just, again, it looks like a decent burger. Yes. Um, you know, they're putting all these toppings, you know, on it. Um, yeah. And, you know, so just reinforcing this idea she has about this man. So then, you know, he's talking about all the things he owns and all his riches, and they all just think he's joking. So everyone's laughing. You know, you know, he's saying, I, I dabbled in oil and they laugh. And, you know, I have the Brookman building and they're just laughing. Like, they think he's just making stuff up to play into this whole joke that they're all having about, you know, we're happy, but we're poor kind of thing. And then when he goes to pay, he pulls out this big wad of money. The largest hands- wad of cash yeah, I've, I've ever seen, seen in my life. And hands and and pays for the food, and they all look at it and look at each other, and we kind of just we don't we're not even on anyone's faces. We just see kind of the camera shake, we hear a thud, and we zoom out, and it's just the three men standing there. <laughs> the woman have fainted, seeing this money, seeing that they you know she succeeded without realizing she succeeded in their ultimate plan. And they all, the three men, cheers to their wives. And that's kind of the final. It's so cute. It was the most adorable ending. Uh, Absolutely loved that. (laughs) It it is. It is. It is great. And I do really, really like that as (laughs) as an ending. You can just picture them for years and years afterwards, just being very much a, a family of six. Yes, you know, Brookman fitting the bill. Yes, Brookman fitting the bill, you know, not being stingy with his wealth and them just being a a group, a wonderful group of friends who enjoy life together, uh, incredibly happy and in love. And uh, yeah, you you have a hopeful kind of view of their future as friends and it makes you You really smile. Yeah. Yeah, I (laughs) do like it. It is. It is at its heart just a crowd pleaser. Yes, and yes. I, I, I I like that about it. We 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 so rarely seem to do just pure happy movies. Yes, on the we've main been show. in a darker place with our noirs and things. Um, but uh, I just have to also we we can't let this episode end without mentioning the the very meta joke that lord oh the joke yes (laughs) yes uh you know she's talking to william powell and he's kind of worried about his age i think oh that's ultimately why he does end the relationship because he feels like he's too old for yeah it is and so you know she's trying to like you know nab this fish so she's very much like no age doesn't matter you know and she's giving all these examples of older men and kind of younger women and she brings up you know all these different names and she ends with or you know that man that actor from uh the african queen (laughs) talking about you know the love of her life humphrey bogart and i'm sure you know playing into the commentary circling around their relationship that he was very much older than her so uh, I, I love. He, he was, you know, yes, he was. But I'm, you know, and I'm sure that was an underlying thing that people, you know, whispered, gossiped about. So the fact that you know she's making this very kind of uh, pointed joke, I think was was very cute because I don't feel like we see that a lot in classic films. Very much referencing, um, or at least classic films that I have seen. Of course, I've seen it before, but not. You know, it's something that is is far more prevalent today. This kind of tongue in cheek wink at the camera referencing something outside of the film itself that relates to somebody in the film kind of humor so the fact that she made this joke was very unexpected and very cute so yeah i I think that is i think that's a product of this kind of movie rather than just not a product of old movies and it's just the fact that we we so rarely do cover this kind of kind of movie yeah. yeah that we that we maybe don't see it uh as often as we we definitely could because I think it, it definitely is there, and yeah. I do like the joke. I mean, she she says like I'm absolutely crazy about him, the man from the African Queen, that old guy from the African Queen. <laughs> yeah. Of course you are. At this point, you've been with him for nine years, Lauren. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's fully aware of this. This is yeah. one of old Hollywood's great couples. Yeah. Um it's it's nice to have that little joke in there. And for 
Bogart to be put alongside in her little monologue, I think, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I can't remember who else it was. was. Maybe even Churchill. Maybe she oh, even maybe. brings up yeah. Churchill, which I don't... <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite sure about that one. Teddy Roosevelt at least has the moustache. Yeah. You know, I think there's a certain man's man kind of attraction you could possibly have to Teddy Roosevelt. Churchill, I'm just not convinced, I'm afraid. I'm, yeah. I'm not convinced on, on Churchill. Bogart, again, I think we've had those discussions in the past, Janine, of whether you uh, you perhaps think Bogart is an attractive man. Um, as much I mean, as I really do enjoy him very, very much as an actor, I've never quite... And, and, and even as a, a, obviously as a romantic lead, I think he's very, very good, but I, I maybe don't get a certain... I mean, Ooh, that I is wouldn't... That is a good-looking man out of yes. him that I do I mean, with some others. I, he's not on the crush list, no. But he has an energy that when I'm watching him, I'm very, I'm very charmed by, you know, his, his yeah. kind of smooth delivery and his, uh, you know, kind of raised eyebrow and his, you know, dark kind of mysterious vibe. So, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I find myself attracted to that one watching him, but I wouldn't put him on my crush list. No. Um, not, uh, not, not quite <laughs> on the level of, of William Powell. No, 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 no. <laughs> Who has, by the way, one of the best raised eyebrows in oh yes wonderful um i do have to ask you um are we putting are you putting um what's his name uh clark um (laughs) fred clark is he going in the mustache hall of fame fred clark was put in the mustache hall of fame on the lemon drop kid oh Okay, okay. <laughs> because he was what what what's that stupid mobster called in the lemon oh, drop yes. that I've now forgotten? <laughs> yes. He was that was Fred Clark. That's why uh, I said yes. there are yeah. three members of the Mustache Hall of Fame in already this in this film because I'm like, yes, William Powell, of course, is already in the mustache. William Powell, Hall of Fame. Cameron Mitchell, and yeah. Fred Clark. Because he did have a mustache, in, mustache in, Hall of Fame. in in uh Bucking Preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Cameron Mitchell did. It was a good mustache as well, a yeah. terrible character. Not a terrible character, a good character, an evil character, and a good mustache. But yes, no, Fred Clark is already in the mustache yeah. show. It's very, very good. Um, you will have to forgive us for using the actors' names in this movie, uh, or in this discussion of this movie as well, because I think it would have been quite impossible for us to use the characters' names, given that the three women, Janine, in this movie are called, <clears throat> let me just prepare myself for this one, Shatsy Page is Lauren yeah. McCall, Paula Debois, I guess, or Debois, <laughs> or however the hell you're supposed to pronounce that, is Marilyn, and Loco Dempsey is Betty Yes, Rubel. yes. Someone was so, really so, having fun <laughs> with this. Please, could we just use? Please, could we just get away with using the actors' names for one episode? Please. Right? Yes. Give us a break, because th- those were some funky, fun ones. So, yeah. <laughs> and one final thing I must bring up before we do wrap up the 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 opening episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, to 2024, is the fact that this movie opens, again, inexplicably, with five minutes of orchestra. Yes! We see the orchestra playing the, the, the film score... For yes, I'm like watching this, and I'm like, did I pick the right movie? Am I uh, what? And then after they complete that piece of music, they start playing another piece of music. We're watching this performance, and then it goes into the actual opening credits of the film. So it's, I it's was, five <laughs> minutes of time. Yes, this is very... a, this is an hour and a half movie. This is a this is a short movie. Yes. Five minutes of time is just watching an orchestra play a piece of music. This is a this is a prime example of Fox, I think the studio who does this movie is, of them just going, oh, we're using CinemaScope um, spectacle, so yeah. we'll start with that. Yes. that. That's literally just the thought, it has to be <laughs> has the to thought be, process. Yeah. yeah. 
I can come up with no other explanation as to no, why. No, because it would doesn't play that. into anything else. So yeah, I think it's just a really unique, interesting, and very surprising way to open this movie. Because like, just... this movie isn't a musical. No, so it's why not. Why would it have that? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but yeah. it, but it's there. It is an interesting little tidbit. I yes. think I want to say I did read that this was only, or this was Foxy's only second cinemascope movie so perhaps they were still you know experimenting a little bit with what they wanted to do with the super widescreen format that cinemascope was and i think it's used quite well to be honest in the movie for a movie that doesn't remotely need a format like this to to look good it's not an epic it's yeah. not, uh, you know, there's no big landscapes going on in this movie. It's not a movie that lives and dies with its cinematography yeah. or glorious technical that it is in. It doesn't really need to be, but it is, and it's there for all these, come and watch this great-looking piece of art in the yeah. movie theatre. That's the point of Cinemascope. It's why it's there. Um. It, it does use it to good effect. I mean, it does position people at far sides of the screen to each other and have yeah. them talking. And it does do a great job in the costuming of these oh, characters yeah. as well. Yeah, we and, get a whole little fashion show scene. We do. Um, yes. Real pops of colour. And I, yeah. I, it's just, it, 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 it gives that just pleasing aura of watching old movies that, that i just love so much and is just so lost in movies post 1970 that is just that <laughs> almost feels like i don't want to be over sentimental about it but it makes you feel like you're at home when you watch Technicolor color pop off the screen. Yes, and when you, you watch these older films use color and know, okay, we have color, we're going to use it right. We're going yeah. to be thoughtful about it. And you feel that with this one for sure. Yeah, there's a reason the the older movies that are in color are in color. Yeah. And the, and there's a, you know, there's a reason they're in, the, the ones that are in black and white are in black and white because they don't need the color. Yeah. When they do need the colour, they have the colour. And they need the colour. And the colour's used. Yeah, That's the point. And it is in this movie. I really do like that. How to Marry a Millionaire 1953 yeah. opens It's a Wonderful Podcast for 2024 and closes out Lauren Bacall Week, Janine. Yes. Yay. <laughs> it's very exciting because the next episode on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed will be the 250th Morgan hasn't seen, which is absolutely insane. I know. But it will be next <laughs> Wednesday, and we have a special episode ready for that. We also do know what we're going to be covering next Friday as well, because if you did listen to uh, Wednesday's Morgan hasn't seen, you will have heard that we are doing this old Hollywood turns new uh, idea. And week by week you know this was lauren bacall week we're having an, a certain actor take over another whole week and then the next whole week and you know it, it's going to work like that not yeah. next week though because we've got a special episode on the <laughs> yes, wednesday but we will talk a little bit about a, a very special actor who is the number one on my <laughs> on my classics crush list um Steve and maybe remains that does it yes he remains and, and that. And maybe touch on his later career to kind of still keep the theme slightly going next week. Okay. Um, so so yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Well, I believe the movie we'll be covering next week will be Hitchcock's Spellbound. Yes. yes. So that should give you a hint and a clue and an obvious idea as yes. to who Janine's number one old Hollywood crush really <laughs> is. It's obvious really isn't it i mean it has yeah. to be he, he kind of he's a very striking gentleman but there we go janine this is not the only show we have on the podcast feed as we've spoken about several times already on today's episode morgan hasn't seen is there every wednesday it is that special 250th next week 
So check that out. Subscribe to this podcast feed wherever you are listening on all the major podcast platforms. Answer those questions like yeah. CD did with Fort Apache on the Three Godfathers episode on yes. Spotify. If you are on Spotify, if you're not on Spotify, I don't care. Go and answer it. Just do it. Come on. Have some fun. Yes. We'll get. But we, we, you know, we, 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 we'll we like to it. hear. Yeah. We like mm -hmm. to hear things. What uh, people recommend what people like all those fun things there is a reason we put those questions there we want to hear we want to hear what you're all thinking i like that it's it's very it's enjoyable for me yes it's yeah. enjoyable for us it's enjoyable for you it's enjoyable for everybody but there we go um the it's a wonderful podcast youtube channel you can also subscribe and ding the notification bell on for all the fun stuff we have there we spoke about the patreon and donation links before but you can also find us on social media on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple dot with a three instead of the e in the because janine three is the magic number on instagram tiktok and threads at the purple dawn all your millions of things <laughs> are where you can find me at janine debean underscore on twitter janine debean on instagram tiktok and threads if you want to get any merch for any of our shows just check the description for the link or search it's a wonderful podcast on teespring.com and if you want to purchase any of my art and print form you can find that at my big cartel shop g9design.bigcartel.com Hmm, impressions, impressions. William Powell, perhaps. No, no, a, I think I've a, tried not a, not, a, not a really notable impression. No. Maybe do. Maybe maybe try maybe try the Marilyn softness. Try the oh, Marilyn softness. <laughs> it's so rare. She I know comes I said she was show. relatable, but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> not in not in vocals. Yes, no, no, definitely not. So so be kind. <laughs> Yes, and happy new year.